Welcome to the Fan Engagement Pod. This is the Fan Engagement Chat where we hear about someone's approach to fan engagement. This week we chat with Marco Sansoni, an expert in the role of spectators in sports events and he's steeped in expertise in both fan experience and fan engagement. He's a former senior advisor to the World Cup in Brazil, worked in senior spectator roles in some of the biggest events in the world including the Summer and Winter Olympics and worked for FIFA advising on spectator services. He now teaches at the prestigious Lewis Business School in Rome. He's doing a lot of thinking about the role of fans and spectators distilled in a concept called spectatorship. We had a lot to talk about and this is the first of what I hope will be many conversations between us about the role of fans in football and sport more widely. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation itself. There's a link in the podcast description to read about his concept of spectatorship. By the way, the pod will be taking a short break on the 26th of October and will return the week after. You can find out more about our work at fanengagement.net, register for free, get access to the Fan Engagement Hub with more detailed data and case studies from both the Fan Engagement Indexes. Please like, subscribe and share, it does help our visibility in a crowded podcast world. Enjoy the episode. LinkedIn, um, and um, we had a chat a couple of weeks ago about about what we do, about what we um, what, what we think. I think there's lots of there's lots of crossover in what we do and what we think. Um, interestingly, you said you never worked for a club. I haven't um, worked directly for a club, but I've obviously probably like you spoken with a lot of clubs, worked with a lot of clubs, but actually working in the organisation, no. Um, uh, and um, and lots of sort of thinking. We do a lot of thinking about. Um, I think a lot of sort of posing difficult questions to um, about how clubs have been run traditionally um, uh, and why they make decisions the way they do, how they focus what they do, what fan engagement means, all these sorts of things, which. I think a lot of people in football, working in clubs anyway, don't have the time to think about. Um, we, I think we're quite, we're quite fortunate in that respect. And obviously, the other thing as well as you, um, you teach as well. I've, I've recently taken up a role at, at UCFB at Wembley in football business and media. You, you lecture in sports events management at the Lewis Business School um, over there in Italy. Over, sorry, not over there in Italy because you're not in Italy, but over in Italy. Um, so. Um, there's lots to talk about, um, and just give us a give us a brief rundown of your of your journey of why you of how you've ended up where you are. Well, sorry, not why you've ended up where you are, but where you've been. Um, I suppose that's the most important thing first. Where have you been in your career? <laughs> Oof, uh, oh, thanks a lot for the introduction, Kevin. Thanks for your invitation. This is uh, this is extremely. I'm so happy. It's an honor to be to be. Um, guest, a guest of your podcast. You know I'm a fan. Um, well, it's a it's a 16 years journey 
I'm celebrating in these days, actually. Um, that has been taking me basically around the world um, in five continents. Um, it was uh, by, because of an injury that I, I spent a weekend uh, in Turin. I was living in London in those days, who just won the Olympic Games at that time. It was 2005. And uh, one in Turin, I basically was in the right pub at the right time, and I probably was the right person. So basically, I got a job in the Olympic Games, the Winter Olympic Games, uh, the upcoming ones. It was October, and then um, those were in February 2006. And that was love at first sight. Um, I had uh, very different experiences in the, in the automotive system, in, uh, in hotels, uh, in no kind, in, in different realities, but uh, never worked in events before. And I found myself responsible of an Olympic competition venue, the Cesana Pariol, which um, uh, your audience is not able to see me, but I'm, I'm actually wearing the, the venue shirt. Um, so basically, I was selected to take care of the, of the spectators um, of, of that venue, um, which means implementing all the, all the services, which goes from orientation, lost and found, uh, um, assistance to the spectators with special needs um, through uh, workforce, volunteers which was the very first time I was managing people in my life. I had to manage staff and volunteers, and that was an incredible experience. And basically, long story short, uh, if I spend this time for each event I've done since then, um, this would take a few days. So um, basically, basically, since then, uh, I've been working for Olympic Games, including London and um, Asian Games, Pan American Games, uh, the Cycling Tour of Italy, um, and, a, and a few other events, uh, including the University in 2019. And uh, 2019 is when, uh, is when I joined FIFA. Uh, these, uh, this was the result of another journey within the journey. Because um, having worked in the Pan-American Games uh, back in 2007, uh, those were the games basically that brought, uh, showed to the world that Brazil was ready to host global events. And um, by consulting that organizing committee, then a few years later from the blue, I received an email, it was 2011, beginning of 2011, from the one that was my client um, uh, at that time, and uh, turned to be the general manager of stadium operations uh, for the local organizing committee in Brazil, saying happy Christmas um, and so on. And ending the email, by the way, today we had the green light from FIFA to hire you as uh, spectator service, uh, head of spectator services, which was the first time in football history in FIFA, uh, definitely in FIFA World Cup, that this service was implemented. So that was again <clears throat> um, a lucky strike, I would say, um, because that was the, the professional life changer for me, being uh, having the chance to introduce something for the first time. And uh, albeit um, 
it was pretty clear to me what I had to do, being a very new department in such a structured organization as the football, the International Football Federation. I mean, there were some uh, some constraints to my to my ideas, but at the end of the day, what um, what happened is that uh, in the um, at the end of the World Cup, when I was uh, presenting to the to the observers of the future World Cup, there were people from uh, uh, also from the NFL, people from uh, other other events. I got introduced uh, by by the responsible of the observer program, FIFA, saying, "Listen to this young gentleman." I was young at the time, um, because this will be a compulsory service from now on to be delivered by the local organizing committees of future World Cups. So that, uh, that was the game changer. Again, I consulted the, the Russian organizing committee uh, and then uh, FIFA called me in 2018 um, to, to join the headquarters in Zurich and start developing the, what I called the spectator experience and service concept, which was basically um, drafted in my, in my debriefing at that time. So here I am, um, another uh, two years later, pandemic hit um, our, our work and um, my, my experience with FIFA ended, but I immediately joined uh, the, the Euro 2020 organizing committee in Rome. So I had the opportunity to welcome the fans back in my own city, because in the meantime, uh, it turned to be a requirement for Euro. Um, and it happened in my own town. And I've been growing up in that neighborhood, which is the, the neighborhood of the Stadio Olimpico. It's called Flaminio. It's where uh, I still live when I go back to Rome. So I'm based in Zurich and travel back and forth. Um, and uh, here I am. You, you said it. Uh, and congratulations to you, to your teaching role, because uh, I just ended my, my first, uh, let's say, academic um, serious academic experience uh, at the Lewis Business School in Rome, which is uh, quite a prestigious one. Uh, if you consider that uh, the actual Ministry of, uh, of Health, which is quite, um, quite an important role nowadays, uh, comes from that university, Ministry of Health of Italy, of course. Um, so this is, uh, this is how I've joined uh, these, uh, this universe which I call it um, uh, a parallel universe of global events, which is actually, it sounds great. I know it sounds so fancy, um, <laughs> and it is fancy, <laughs> I must admit. When, when, you, when, you, when you walk into the stadiums or into the venues, and uh, I mean, uh, these are historical events. And um, I'm being graduated in political science. Uh, this totally makes sense to me. Um, basically, that's, uh, that's how I ended up in this world. Uh, and uh, I, in between events, and you said it right, uh, when, you, when, you continues, when you work continuously you know, in a club, uh, so when you have very short time for, for a break, uh, and I've seen it uh, with uh, Ice Roma, we, we got invited with the classroom on, uh, on Sunday at the Olympic Stadium to, to observe the fan experience, which was part of the course I had there. And um, I mean, the same head of the same managers that were working on the stadium on Sunday, on Monday morning, were in the office. That is, that is something pretty peculiar. There's no day off. 
mm. in some cases, no? And um, while in between events, something that, believe me, is not that we are fortunate because then we, we are actually unemployed, but that gives you the time some, somehow, um, besides the frustration, to think about what you have done. And this makes me think of one of my preferred motto in the events world, which I try to transmit to my teams, which is you never know. You never know what will happen for sure, but also you will never understand actually what has happened until the event is over. And then you will realize, oh, that's why. And this is something, uh, this is something I love somehow of, of this job because it, it continuously challenges you. Uh, there's, there's no event equal to the other, this is obvious, but um, there's, um, there's a lot more behind. And I can go on for hours, uh, Kevin. I, I don't want uh, to do such a long monologue, but I think, uh, I hope I've, uh, I've answered your question. Uh, I, I, I presented you with the opportunity to, to do a monologue, Mark. I certainly <laughs> to do a monologue. Um, so, no, it, you know, it's interesting. It's a different, in lots of different um, differences there with where I've come from, but it's always interesting to find out that people land in a similar place to where I am, albeit through a different route and different experiences. Now, um, what uh, what's interesting to me um, is you're talking about the way that we deal with fans fans and spectators um, uh, in, in, in terms of football, um, you know, lots of the frustrations, the same frustrations exist in, in your mind, as with mine, um, as with, you know, many, many other people that I work, work with, that I speak with. I do regular podcasts with Baz Schneider, who you may know of. Um, and I know that the audience Absolutely. Yeah, will be aware of Baz. Um, what I'm always interested in trying to do, because you can't make everything conceptual, you can't make everything about strategy. In the end, you have to join up, you have to connect strategy with delivery. Otherwise, your strategy is ineffective and there's no point having it, let's be honest. It's just fine thinking. So what I'm interested, what I'm interested in is, um, is how um, you, you know, someone like you has been so focused on delivery you know of putting on events and a lot of your thinking has come from seeing what goes on and so and critiquing that and then that's essentially why you land in the same place as me because you've looked at what the frailties and the problems are in the way it's done tell us a little bit about um where this has led you in the way you think about um the way that football is organized and the way that clubs operate and, and you know and the way they behave when it comes to the output when it comes to the things they have to do and the relationship they have with those fans out there that are the ones in the end that pay the money, whether that's the subscriptions or in your, you know, in the events or the merchandise, whatever it is, you know, how, how, what, you know, what's your thinking to explain a bit more about your thinking on that? Absolutely. Um, let me start uh, with um, um, your, your very, um, Correct statement. Uh, we 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 landed um, somehow no, on the same conclusions uh, as we've been uh, talking already, um, and I, I believe the reason why we land uh, this, 
despite we were living in the in parallel universe as I, as I quoted them um, it's probably because our let's say fan management that's how I call it uh, still doesn't exist and definitely didn't exist before I've been I have a, a you know political science so an historical approach somehow to things so I try, I try to connect the dots from the past and try to think how, why everything starts, sorry about that, uh, my digressions, but uh, everything starts with uh, the challenges that we have on a daily basis probably. And we probably had the same challenges. Uh, on my side, what happened is that event after event, no matter which side of the world I was, and believe me, I worked in five continents. I had to start everything from scratch. I had to explain to, the, to my colleagues, to the organization somehow, um, the importance of the spectating fans or the spectators, because spectators can be fans or non-fans. That importance, uh, that importance, that their, their interest. I mean, in, the, in defining the flows, uh, the best possible way to, to reach their seat. Because at the end of the day, remember, uh, it's I I do what I do um, through through volunteers basically, and I want them to have the best possible experience because that's the only way they will give the best possible experience or solve continuously solving issues around the venue, around the stadiums uh, with enthusiasm, uh, smiling, proactively approaching approaching the, 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 the spectators. And, but there's another premise that, that, I need to, that I need to do. And it is um, the observation of what, of what kind of industry I was working in. As I told you, I had, I had background even in, in, in the engineering world and the automotive uh, working in quality uh, insurance. And, uh, and probably is there where, um, uh, where I do absorb uh, an analytical approach in, an engineering, in the engineering sense of this, of this term, analytical. And that's where I see Buzz, which is, is another, another person I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, absolutely following his, um, his uh, work uh, um, as much as, as I do follow you. Uh, and this, this has happened since the pandemic started, basically, and I had more time to, uh, to look around. And uh, the premise is, what is the industry I'm working in? Is it called sport industry, sport business? I mean, sport business is not an industry, it's a business. So which is the industry? And, and the obvious conclusion of this to me and to, to some others, uh, of course, is sport, is sport business uh, is within, uh, happens in the, in the inter entertainment universe. So sport, basically, is one of the entertainment options. Being this, the framework, the main target is, of course, the engagement of the audience. So, as you correctly said, the end, the customer, the only customer, uh, the B2C one, is, are the fans, the spectators, the, the ultras, from the ultras to the distracted or let's say the fluid fans as they as they call it nowadays thinking about the generation z and so on 
Um, but what I've experienced, and so I'm going back after this long digression to where I started, uh, the challenge is, look, um, I would give a very, very practical example. Um, if, let's say, the event is getting close, um, and we're talking about Olympic Games rather than World Cups, so you would think everything is just uh, as perfect uh, as you can think of, because there's so much time because seven years ahead uh, is a lot of time in theory but in reality the decisions are uh, continuously change which gives quite a strong frustration when you work for an organizing committee for for several years because most of the times you do the same planning many many times and uh, not always the best projects you are you're able to implement the best projects because of many constraints, of course. But the practical example is um, tickets, ticket sales already started. And at some point, there's, um, let's say, the, the director, broadcasting director, is being appointed a few months before the, the event starts. And he thinks that the, the camera platforms are not in the right position, one of them. So the decision is taken at another level, but is, it refers, I mean, it definitely impacts on the spectating fan. So you would give for granted that who takes care of the spectating fans is being involved in the decision process. Not at all. You, you sometimes you don't even get the information. You, you hear it at the, at the coffee machine. So this is, this is the issue, this is the daily challenge, which I've seen it, look, Europe, uh, Asia, Middle East, uh, North America, uh, South America. So, 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 so everything's being, you know, it's that sense of um, <clears throat> almost that in the way, if we, if we think about social networks and the problem with, the problem with um, social networks is not that users, um, uh, that uses a product, they're part of the product, mm -hmm. right? Um, they're not, they're not what they think they are. And in a sense, I suppose, one of the problems is, is that the fan has things done to them all the time. Um, they are, they're part, because they are part, and, and in this case, they're genuine, you know, I think with social networks, the monetization of users uh, as part of the product is corrosive and, um, and and not necessary. It's part of a chosen model. When it comes to to sport, when it comes, let's just specifically talk about football, and it and it applies to sport across the board. But when it comes to football, fans are an absolutely probably more so in football, such a critical part of the product. And I put that in inverted commas, obviously. You know, of what you're offering people. It's why international fans become interested in clubs quite often because of the fan culture around the stadium and around the match day and all those things. Um, but then, you know, but then, a, but then a club will say, yeah, but we want to take part in the European Super League. Um, well, yeah, but you do realise that part of the attraction of you as a club is that domestic rootedness, the fact that you have a stadium in this part of the city with these fans, with this culture. And again, it's doing, it's, it's, you know, it's it's taking the whole thing as a product and saying fans are part of that product and, and things are done to them. So then when decisions get made 
who's the first thought for it's it's not for the people attending the stadium and therefore the people responsible for that angle in and that part of the putting on the event putting on the match you you're only thinking about the broadcasters or you're thinking about where you know the schedulers you know the advertising revenue you might gain and actually you lose something don't you because of it and i think there's this, this inevitability about it has only become an inevitability because that's the path that people have chosen to go down if they started thinking more about well if we change that kickoff that alters the experience for those people in the stadium and alters the experience for the overall product anyway is that something we want to do it it's you know that's placing the fan in a different but do, do you see what i mean that that's what it strikes me that the problem is is that fans are seen in the same way as a social network user user you're part of how i monetize this football business this football club you absolutely i hear you and uh, i i fully agree and i would go further saying monetizations of the fans is, is a kind of obsession for the clubs um as as it is uh, the return of investment uh, when when you discuss uh, a project uh, with uh, with your director i mean um most of the time uh, they they don't see the value of the return of experience which is for those who have a fan-centric uh, approach as i call it i mean is is quite obvious and uh, I often um, quote, uh, no, do not quote, but mention um, Walt Disney. I think Walt Disney would never have started what he has started if, if he did a business plan, probably, um, thinking about his, uh, his partners. And um, so what I was picturing, and nothing against broadcasters. I mean, uh, thanks to the broadcasting, we have what we have uh, somehow. Um, but I... Uh, and try to be as clear as possible is, is the VIPs. The VIP flows, if they have the opportunity to cut one meter, the, the walk of a VIP, if, if the, the responsible for VIPs has this opportunity, he or she will do that. And because he's doing the best thing for her, his own client. So what I'm picturing is um, organization, sport organizations, are absolutely centric, client-centric, when it's the client is the B, the business client. But when it's the C, the customer, this centricity is just doesn't, doesn't exist. It's so far away. Yes. And if we have to be honest, intellectually honest uh, here, we, if we stop thinking for a moment and write down the numbers, it is extremely difficult to, to justify um, because we are we're human beings and we tend to think in the short term. So it's extremely difficult to justify in the short term investment on a fan experience, fan engagement that has not to do with monetization at all costs, underlined and bold. Um, think about what they can get uh, from... Um, buying a player, an unknown player from any country in the world, possibly not rich and uh, to be resold after two years. 
or after one year or after a few months or loan, loaning that, that player and multiply these uh, for uh, X amount of players. Or think about the fact that by the fact that you simply exist, you get the money from the broadcaster. So again, why uh, this is, this is the, the unbalanced picture that, uh, that I'm trying to, to, to give uh, here of the sport organizations at all level. And as you said, it didn't work for clubs, but I've been in contact with a lot of people that work in clubs, including you. And it seems like this is, um, unfortunately, the standard. And then what happens, um, basically I've been struggling for 10 years. I start calling, uh, connecting to your good point about the social network, uh, fanciness, social network uh, to be used somehow, I started calling the fans, the new broadcasters, and it was uh, quite pushy at that time because it was 2012 and social media, of course, uh, uh, Facebook did exist. Instagram was, uh, was at the beginning of its popularity, but uh, having worked in the, in the hotel world and having had my own uh, hospitality business uh, in Rome, uh, which I do not take care of, but it still exists. And it was pretty successful. It was a case study for TripAdvisor in 2010. And uh, TripAdvisor is actually the game changer. More oh, ahead of the social media because it was founded. It started to be used earlier than that, than, use, than we use social media. It gave the voice to the customers. Now, customer is, we know, uh, a word we shouldn't use when we talk about fans, but there are customers when they purchase a ticket. Right. And we, and we oh, stop okay, it that, here. That, that, yeah, you know, the thing about it for me is they are customers at a point, as you say, where they're making a purchase. And the other thing we have to understand, or that clubs and people working in the industry have to understand, is that their motivations very often are quite perverse or very um, unusual. And they're usually obsessional. They're to do with connections and identity and all those sorts of things, rather than um, I need a, a, you know, I need a jar of olives. So I'm going to go to that shop because I've got less money today, or I want better olives. So I'm going to go here. Um, you know, the, the 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 decisions you're making, but it strikes me that's not what goes on. And in the same way that, um, in the same way that the fan becomes part of the product in the same way that social networks use their users to, to monetize. Um, the clubs struggle to move into the headspace of, um, well, why are they? You're telling me they're making that decision because they're in love with something. Yeah, okay. And, they, and people will say that. They go, yeah, being a fan is very special, but that's all very surface. And I don't, and I think it's, I don't think they always think about what the consequences of that are. They think if they say that you're very special and then they charge you five pounds, you know, six pounds, seven pounds for a pint of beer um, with no real justification and they could charge a bit less and maybe reward you for your loyalty. It, they don't think about that. It, it's, too bottom, it's too driven by bottom line. Then there are all sorts of other dynamics in there, aren't there, that make that happen. But It is probably because they think that they have a very special wallet. <laughs> 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 uh, and this and this is the point. So, uh, how how do sport organizations? How are sport organizations or the way football is organized? Uh, as you asked, um, for for what I've seen, uh, let's say, um, toward the fans, 
I mentioned the, the responsible, or the head of VIPs, the head of broadcast director, and so on. There's a clear client ownership in sport organizations about the B2B clients. Now, tell me, who is the client owner of the fans or of the, the audience, how you want to call it? Uh, at three levels, let's say, audience as a global, fans as a specific, uh, way different uh, kind of uh, behavioral, let's say, aspects of the, of the customer, and um, as a spectators, so that those that actually purchase. Is there a single owner? There's not. And, and this is the, the, the usual challenge I do have because I, I, I do not feel the ownership. I do feel I'm taking care of the fans' spectators' interest. So somehow I'm defending them. And most of the time, I'm also defending these interests against who pretends it owns the fans. Can be security for certain aspects can be ticketing for other aspects, can be transportation or the whole city, of course, uh, when we're talking about the, 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 the stadium approach. But actually, they are all um, doing a specific task without having the full picture. And, and this is where I go and I start, where I start advocating what I, I've named spectatorship. Um, you have to have a fan-centric and holistic approach to start, ignite, finally, proper fan management. Hi, I'd just like to introduce you to Match Day Digital, the world's first football-first digital magazine platform, bringing together premium paid content from clubs' Match Day programmes, popular football magazines, newspapers and high-quality fan-produced fanzines. What a list. It gives access to a bigger choice of content for fans and for publishers, a far wider audience than would normally be available through their own print editions or digital offerings. You can download the app via Google Store and Apple Store, or you can use the native web app. Go to matchdaydigital.com for more. And if you're a club or publisher, drop MDD a line. They're a lovely bunch, and I'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs. Okay. So, look, we, we, we could, when we did spend a long time talking the first time, we could spend hours on this. What I'd like to try to get us to now is, so finally then, the um, lots of people, and you will get approached by them, I get approached by them, a lot of people approach us saying, I've got this game-changing um, system, this app, this whatever it is that's going to achieve this. It will make everyone happy. It'll earn the club money, blah, 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 blah. Um, 99 times out of 100 or 999 times out of 1,000, it's not true. Either the idea is not quite as amazing as they thought it was, or the idea is, quite frankly, just not going to happen, not going to work, or it's not the right time for it. Now, what you're talking about here, I I know that you thought about this a lot because you experience and because you, you know your thoughtfulness. Just explain about this fan management system. You know this thing you're calling. You know we have to give things names these days and slogans and things like that. Spectatorship. Tell me about this. Tell me what this fully integrated strategy of six steps or pillars is. Just give us an idea. Give us an idea of this. Um, and and in the future, look, we know we're gonna we're gonna continue talking. So this could be all sorts of things we can collaborate on. But for now, 
I think this is interesting for the audience to hear this. So just give us a, a rundown of what that's about, please, Marco. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to be um, focused uh, and try to, to paint no, the, the picture in the, in the most uh, simple way, because we're talking about simplifying complexity here. Uh, and the topic is extremely complex. That's why the, the holistic approach. And basically, I started from, from the purpose. Say, what, oh, what do I want to achieve? Or oh, what does a proper fund management want to achieve? And, um, and it is uh, as uh, ambitious as um, probably going to the moon for the first time, um, meaning helping the, the purpose is trying to help the sport ecosystem or football uh, in this case to reach sustainability. How? I mean, through a very simple uh, uh, logic consequence, if we put the customer at the center of the strategy, if we do adopt fan-centric lenses, uh, uh, if we put them on, and start approaching everything. When I say everything, I mean everything. Um, with a, with the walking the stadium with the shoes of the spectators, I, I say repeat uh, thousands of times uh, a day to my teams. Um, then this is the purpose: reach sustainability. So the vision is fan-centric vision is to have an, an holistic approach to the, to the client. And when I say holistic approach, I mean a lot of things, but first of all is the fan. The fan is a human being, or the spectator, the audience are human being, okay? So if it's a human being, it's made of X amount of factors and definitely has behaviors, expectations. This is something that everyone knows nowadays. But let's say if we identify four spheres uh, of the audience, which is the historical, the, the, the DNA, how, how does the DNA form, okay? So events that occurred in a certain context, place where they live, which have influenced their identity. Then the psychological sphere, which is what determines the their, their own perception of being a fan or a sport uh, passionate. Then there's the sociological sphere, which determines the habits and the needs most of the times, as well as the economic sphere determines what the, their economical power somehow, you know, and what they can afford. Now, approaching the fans in, a, in an holistic way is exactly is partly this. Now the topic is extremely complex because uh, it's it's a universe because it's human beings. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep uh, drawing the picture here. So fan management. Um, oh sorry, spectatorship advocate through spectatorship. I do advocate a fan centric transformation of sport organizations from the international federation down to the. Uh, club of the fourth league or even non-professional. Um, and you have three pillars 
which are compulsory to the transformations, to the transformation, and uh, for the two pillars, so it's a total of five actually, that do combined do make the fan-centric management. So the first pillar of the fan-centric transformation is governance and appointing a, what I call it again ambitiously, a chief of fans. Imagine. Imagine uh, the organization structured uh, instead of chief of commercial, chief of um, uh, specific functions, wide and very important. Imagine the chief of the experience, of the chief of the client's experience, all those clients. So for every client, you will have a chief and you have the services and the product owners of the, of the company, of the organization, working horizontally, finally not in silos, and giving a level of service according to the, to the client, of course, uh, fans, uh, let's say, rarely get the level of service of a VIP, I would say, right? right? So that's the first pillar, define the governance. And uh, this doesn't mean because most of most of the people talk about uh, fan governance and say fans should be represented. Absolutely, absolutely. But that's a further step. I mean, to get there, you need to work on this first. And um, second pillar is the way uh, they approach marketing. Marketing, uh, I, I I'm not a marketing uh, person. I mean, I didn't study marketing. I'm just passionate about. And uh, I've read about precision marketing one day, and that was, a, um, I don't know, I mean, illumination somehow. Uh, precision marketing applied to with a centric approach turns marketing into funketing. Because marketing will always have the return of investment because it's, it's their job and it's absolutely correct. They have to do that. But I would leave if I was a sport organization leader I will leave the marketing side to the sponsors. They need to connect with customers. The sport organization is connecting with different people. We, we already said that. So marketing cannot be applied because they, these are not customers of a supermarket. They're absolutely crazy sometimes, but their craziness is what makes the difference actually. Mm. And what is broadcasted around the world. So marketing, the approach, um, the precision marketing approach. Yeah. That is the second pillar. Third, I, I do involve the communication as well. Communication is key. Information is key to the experience. It's compulsory. It's the main element of a positive experience. There's no positive experience without information. Therefore, you communicate the information. But that's one piece of the huge amount of work that communication has. Again, who is responsible within the organization for the direct communication with the fans. In some cases, there is this law in Europe, but in, not for all topics. So the communication, uh, again, is another responsibility of the chief of fans. And I call it Infocom because it is focused in providing information, circulating information within the organization, in-house, so internally, but outside the organization as well. When is this information needed out there in the world? And when can I provide that? I need to balance the two things. It has to be edutaining because you want to educate, right? Mm. Your, your audience, 
and entertaining, of course, because that was the premise to everything. We're talking about, we're working in an entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you got the three pillars. It's the very first time that I talk about it. So I hope uh, I managed to, to, to draw the, the picture. And the further pillars are way more common, but um, one is uh, engagement, which is not only fan engagement. And I'm, I know we share the same thought. And it's a matter of uh, engaging the leadership, engaging the staff, engaging the teams, engaging uh, then finally the fans. That's a consequence again, as well as the return of investment, I see it as a consequence. Money, if we approach it with a fan-centric approach, all these, then money will be a consequence, which I'm yes. sure, yes. which I'm sure. And we don't have the numbers in football, unfortunately, because there's no case study in this sense but we have numbers from F1. It's a case study I've presented in my course. It is amazing. The return of investment of their fan-centric uh, strategy is five to one. And um, finally, the experience, which is a universe itself, and it's not only related to the operations, but to the integration of marketing, communication, and operations. While engagement uh, is probably connecting the entire organization. That's, that's how I see it. I think, uh, I think this, is, this is about uh, uh, the fan management. And then there's the fan management system where, where um, I can talk for another half an hour. <laughs> well, we need to come back to that. So, um, so just, just run me through the pillars again, just not explaining, just tell me, just for the audience, just say what those pillars are again. So, so covenant. The, the pillars of the fan-centric management are define fan who is the owner of the client. Second, so governance first. Second, infocom. Third, fanketing. Four, experience. And finally, engagement. Okay. So what was six? Two, four, five. Oh, five. Sorry, that's me just... Sorry. No worries. Yeah, for me, for me, just don't worry about that. Because you do include the fan-centric management as a pillar, but that, that's the whole... Gotcha. The yeah, I understand. I understand. Yes, okay, that's what I was referring to. No, so, I mean, look, to be honest, Marco, the thing about this is that um, I might take slight issue with you trying to use the term fan-cutting, because I don't think it... <laughs> I think we might struggle with that one. Um, but actually... In terms of putting, laying down the chains that's required, and let's just talk about football on this one, from my perspective. But but I but I think this works everywhere. You, you know, we, we think this makes sense for all sports actually. And ultimately, you know, um, the work of think fun engagement that I do, it applies to other sports too. That these pl- placing the fan at the centre instead of part of the product. You know, in the way in the way that I suggested and, and we, we both agree is not the right way to do it um, this makes total sense um, and all of these elements are things that are said in a slightly different way by people like me by people like Baz um, by many other people out there supporters directly you know SD Europe talk about some of this you talked about a chief of fans you know what else is the right if you're going to appoint a supporter liaison officer, 
what is that person apart from a chief of fans? You know, so what you're what I think you're doing here is gathering together all of that collateral, all of that, um, all of those sort of thoughts and theories and demonstrations in practice and case studies and trying to create something that says, look, this is actually a model and it actually works. So I think it's tremendously valuable. It's that, you know, it, it's, you know, these things, you know, these things take a long time to change. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, we, we're going to continue this conversation um, and I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by it and I hope everyone else is as well because it's, you know, this bears a lot more, you know, we need to talk about this a lot more. And I think many more people need to understand what you're putting across here, which is, as I said, I think it captures so many of the progressive people in sport and in football that I know who want uh, fans, you know, engagement to be done properly, for fans to be placed at the centre. This finally puts a structure there together that makes sense, I think, and, and can be can be used and, and this is uh, sorry kevin um what you said is absolutely right it will take time and we're talking about a cultural change in in organizations that have shown uh, let's say if we without going to details about the super league but that they've shown that despite the evidence they are not uh, even close to this so let's say um that's that's when I take the decision and say, okay, I should focus on the new generations. These are those that will be the will be part of the governing body of football, of clubs, of uh, sport clubs, uh, even private. I mean, doesn't matter. But if we plant the seed now with the data that we have is... Uh, I hate to call it positive uh, consequence of, of the pandemic, but if there's a positive element, let's say, um, there's, we, we got the data. Yes. We got the data because finally uh, we can say, hey, without the fans in the stadium, minus 500 million euros for Bundesliga in their negotiation on the sport rights. And while if we look at North American sports, let's say name NHL and NBA, in the same period, NHL doubled their contract, broadcasting contract. NBA is targeting uh, eight times more the previous contract. Why? which is the only organiza sport organization in the world that has a chief of fans? The NBA. They were appointed in 2020. Here we go. And I, you can track it on LinkedIn. I was talking about that before. And it was like, wow, thanks a lot. And the reason probably I came up with all this, first of all, I had one school year in the States in 1992, and that's when I visited Disneyland. I was 13. Second, it's because I've been working in the first and uh, other Olympics and other events and in Brazil with an American company. That is the yellow jersey uh, in the States, which are pretty, pretty famous. I mean, they have, they do serve all, most of the events in the event services world. And that's I've learned from them. But I had it inside probably because then when I started my company, I was guest centric. 
never called clients my, my clients, but guests. And my responsibility is I'm taking care of their holidays. It's, it's, it's a serious responsibility sometimes because they've been waiting this for all the year and so on and so on. you enjoyed that edition of the fan engagement pod why not dip into our extensive back catalogue featuring interviews with scott mcleod from everton paul barber from brighton and hove albion the head of professional game relations at the fa andy ambler episodes on policing support liaison fan driven marketing social media and dialogue perspectives on fan engagement from carl fitzpatrick from warrington walls liam scully from lincoln city owners chief executives governing bodies we talk about public relations communications and marketing international perspectives we speak with politicians and more and we've also got Baz chat our insight into the commercial side of fan engagement with Baz Schneider and did they ask the fans with Tim Crow search fan engagement uh, pod and tune in on your favorite podcast app I'll make sure I put my teeth in for the next episode and please do like subscribe and share it does help our visibility in a crowded podcast world